Cheryl Lee, that radio chick here with you. Welcome to the Still Rocking It podcast, where we'll have news, reviews and interviews with some of our favourite Australian musicians and artists. Today we sit down with Australia's answer to Elvis Presley, Norman John Rowe, AM, better known as Normie. King of Pop in 1967 and 1968, shipped off to Vietnam in 1969. He's held long-standing roles on TV soapies, starred in award-winning musicals, played Prime Minister Harold Holt in a telemovie and appeared on Rock Quiz. What is Normie Rowe up to now? Let's find out. Cheryl that radio kick. I'm really pleased to introduce you to an Australian legend, Norman John Rowe. Welcome, Normie. How are you? Good, thanks, Cheryl. It's fantastic to be with you. I'm so glad you could join me for a little bit of a chat today. I'm interested in your early life. So here in Adelaide, we boast that all the good bands and all the good artists came out of Adelaide. Not all. I'm sorry. <laughs> not, not all the good artists. However, you were you were supplying much more than your uh, your little town of Adelaide as it was then. Really should have been doing. I mean, we had people like the Masters Apprentices and the uh, Angels. Oh, well, you're too young. <laughs> I'm talking about people like Barry McCaskill, of course, the Valentines, um, Akadaka sort of Cold came chisel. out of there. Yeah, Chisel. But I remember when I came back from Vietnam in 1969, I was looking for some work. The place I got it where I wasn't, I wasn't getting it anywhere else was in Adelaide through the auspices of Ernie Sigley and the Ernie Sigley Show. Once a month, Ernie would give me a call and say, what are you doing? I'm oh, not a lot. He said, I think you better come over and do a show with us. So not only was I able to go over, I could pick the songs that I was going to sing and he would make sure that John Crossing, who was the music director, the piano player, would write the chart and then I would get the musical arrangement to be able to use in my shows after I'd done the show in Adelaide tonight. To be honest, you know, I think I'd, I'd have been behind the eight ball for at least another two years without people like Ernie and the producers of the Ernie Sigley show. So many great memories, you know. And then later on, of course, the times that I spent with the Christmas Appeal, the SAS 10 Christmas Appeal, and then, of course, it became Channel 7, I think. My dear mate, Ronnie Christie, who was the producer of that, we did 14 years running of the Christmas Appeal, and I got to learn so much about people with disabilities and the kids who were just the most resilient and tenacious kids in spite of the fact that they were suffering from things like cerebral palsy and they were in wheelchairs. And they were just marvellous, marvellous times and a great educational period for me. We might have to take a little bit of the credit for you as well then. <laughs> People ask me, where do you come from? I say I'm Australian. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> a lot of ours, we imported them, a lot of them from the UK, but you're not sure. imported. You are a true blue Aussie, born and bred in Melbourne. Yeah, one of the few in showbiz that was actually born here. That's right. So wherever I hang my hat, that's when I'm home, you know. As long as it's inside the shores of Australia, it doesn't matter if it's down on Mariah Island down south, Hobart or anywhere like that. This week I was supposed to be in Cape York, but we're locked down. So unfortunately, you know, one of those things and I I'm desperate to get across to South Australia, which I'm doing, God willing, and COVID willing uh, at the end of the month at the Bridgeway. And right. then to try and get across to do some shows with my good mate Johnny Young over in WA as well. So, yeah, I'm Australian. <laughs> Cheryl Lee, that radio chick here with you. We're talking to Normie Rowe, but I think it's time that we had a song. 
Normie's double-sided hit on the A-side, the reworking of Doris Day's Sera Sera, and the B-side, Shaking All Over, was one of the most successful Australian singles of the 1960s. Shaking All Over, we'll be back to chat more with Normie about his family and his Vietnam War experience after this. I get the shakes and money I get a tremor in my parents musical normie was it something that ran in your family something that was in your dna did it come out of somewhere yeah. else my great-grandfather was an opera singer on the goldfields and really pop singer for that era if you like his name was horatio valentine roper such a grand name and he died singing in uh, the cathedral in bendigo in the 1800s uh, and so i guess that's where the dna is but Mum was a great singer around the house. She was, she was always singing. She had, uh, I think, 11, nine sisters and two brothers, and they all went to dancing school and singing and dancing. And I think perhaps at least one or two of them would have trod the boards had it not been for, you know, the end of the First World War into the Great Depression and then into the Second World War. They, they really didn't have the chance, that, especially the kids have got today, you know, the only thing missing today is the opportunity for exposure for those kids. But I, I think mum may very well have, uh, everybody loved to hear mum sing and I can still hear a voice inside my mind and it makes me feel really lovely and warm when I hear her and the songs that she sang, songs like Come Down From Your Ivory Tower, Kitty Callan and Crazy, uh, Patsy Klein, and those sorts of songs became, through osmosis, I guess, almost part of my DNA. Your brothers and sisters, are they musical? Are they in the music business norm? Well, unfortunately, my whole family's gone now, but my brother wanted to be, he would love to have been, but he decided that he'd like to sing like Mario Lanza. <laughs> and very few people could achieve anything like that so every time he went for a big note his voice broke and they used to say oh shut up Graham for God's sake I don't know he bought the guitar first in the family and and then he said oh I can't get my head around this would you like it so that's where it all started for me well you've got him to thank yeah my whole family I've got my whole family to thank you know we're very thankful to Normie's brother Graham for buying that very first guitar Let's hear one of Normie's hits now from September 65, Sera Sera. Pretty sure this is Normie's first number one. Back with Normie shortly. I have to say I'm one of the lucky people in show business because I really think that if you don't have a good family foundation, Show business it could quite possibly be not for you. you it know, could break because, you. Well, you know, if you can't handle disappointment, then show business isn't for you because there's more disappointment than there is uh, celebrating. It's a hard slog. It's not all romance. It's a job. And what you do, it's your product, and you have to treat it like a business. And once I got that through my thick head, I started to realise that I had to pay attention certainly for my show, which is four letters, but eight letters in the word business, which is why we're talking today. Exactly part right. Of the business side of it. You started pretty young. You formed your first band, The Valiant, in school. Age 14, you were singing in the church choir 
Oh, a bit earlier than that. I might have been about 11, 10 or 11. I think I was still at primary school when I was singing in the church choir and our choir became part of the mass choir of the what is now the Anglican Church, which was the Church of England then in Melbourne. And we did this amazing event with all the choirs at St Paul's Cathedral. My God, it would have been lovely to have an iPhone there open yeah. listening to how that all came together. It would have been fantastic, but that tech wasn't around. I love this so much. So you joined the PMG in true rock and roll style. You were told to get a haircut or get a real job, so you left. Yeah, well, there was a couple of other things involved. I had to take some time off every now and then to go and do a television show called The Go Show out of Melbourne, and they didn't like me doing that. I had fantastic marks and I have never, apart from the time I was in the army, auspices of the federal government, I have never earned less than what I might have earned as a technician in the PMG. I guess I'm a bit lucky and I still have a lot of that technical knowledge. (laughs) You made the right decision. You had a pretty meteoric rise to fame once you started. You were king of pop, 67 and 68? Yeah, something like that. By the time I went to Vietnam, we had 11 top 10 records in a row. We had toured almost every town over the size of 2,000 population in Australia. I'd lived in England for almost a year, recorded with some wonderful musicians, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin and Clem Catini, who played drums on 42 UK number one records. He played drums on My It's Not Easy and uh, Ooh La La and Ain't Nobody Home, a whole bunch of the stuff that we recorded in England. Then we went out on tour with Gene Pitney and the Sounds Incorporated and the Trogs, who yeah. had the original of, of Wild Thing, You Make My Heart Sing. <laughs> We had a great time with Reggie Presley and it was a a fantastic period of time. As a mum is really, really scary to me. Everything came to a halt when they had what was literally a birth date lottery to be conscripted to go to war and your number came up. Well, it didn't at first. So they had another ballot and it didn't the second time and they had a third ballot and eventually it came up. And still, I was the only person with the birthday of the 1st of February 1947 to have been called up for the army in those days. took me probably a decade or so to find that out, but by that time I'd already done my time. Already had great mates, got great mates in Adelaide, whom I'm hoping to see while I'm down there. I think we're going to try and get and have a lunch while I'm down there, a few of the three cab fellas. But, you know... As John Lennon said, life is that thing that happens when you're busy making other plans. Yeah. How did your mum and dad cope with this? Unfathomable to me as a parent. I think dad felt it worse than anybody. I I think because dad was a little bit older than mum and so he was a little bit more aware of what was going on in the Second World War. He was in uh, a necessary industry and, and he tried to sign up for the war, I think, three times and they said, you do it again and we'll have to put you in jail. We need you to be staying home and working in the woolen mills where he was a foreman in a factory that was making wool fabric for uniforms and blankets, etc. They were well aware of what war was and what it could be and Dad had a heart condition before I went away and... Uh, 
I just think it added to his uh, illness. And three years after I got back, he died in 1973. Stress does terrible things to your health and was probably a contributor. Yeah, well, that's a word that nobody really mentioned until the 1970s when all of a sudden now it's sort of like the favourite condition of anybody on television. Every police show has a policeman with post-traumatic stress disorder. And when we came back, the closest it came was to things like shell shock or uh, battle fatigue, you know. You know, that's that's yet another story. It's uh, documented pretty well in my book, Normie the Normie Rose Story, where I spend a bit of time talking about post-traumatic stress disorder, how it applied to me, which is not necessarily every other person's experience. And in fact, it's definitely not. I think everybody who experiences post-traumatic stress disorder has a unique version of it. I think we have to start realising that the costs of sending people off to war, yeah, much more than them going away and coming back safely. And we really need to look after them, especially those young blokes these days who seem to be falling by the wayside, if you like, at the same rate as we were when we first came back. And hell, that's nearly 50 years ago. You know what I mean? It's, It's just crazy that nothing has been done in a half a century to solve those problems. After this next song by Coljoy, one of Normie's very early influences, we'll find out where you can go for help if you or someone you know is experiencing difficulties. And we'll also find out who Normie will be playing with when he comes to town. You're with Shirley, that radio chick, still rocking it. Bebopalula. got somewhere a website or somewhere where you would normally point people to who had issues there's an organization veterans and families counseling service but one of the things that i think is really important for anybody who is struggling and and those struggles tend to be you know i mean in your own mind had nothing to do with the time that you spent in the army in service of your country Uh, And yet it has everything to do with it. And so one of the best things you can do is to be in touch with your mates and talk about how you're feeling. You know, one of the things, when we put together the Welcome Home Parade, I realised that real men do cry. Uh, We do cry, you know, and we do feel. The boys feel stuff as well, you know. What we really need to understand is where do we go? The first place you need to go to your doctor sit down and be honest and say how you feel. The next thing is go and see somebody from a, a, an ex-service organisation, uh, the RSL, have welfare officers, talk to them, and they'll point you in the right direction for your particular area. And the other one is to be in touch with your mates, the people who served with you when you were overseas, when you were deployed, because they know better. And in them, you'll find some sort of solace. If it hadn't, hadn't have been for two of my very good friends, I don't think I'd have been on the planet today. I'd have been gone 20 years ago. They grabbed me and took me to a, my doctor, got a referral and straight into a, a clinic that looks after people with the sort of conditions that I was dealing with. It took them nearly six weeks to convince me that I had PTSD. But now I'm quite happy to be open about it, try and say, hey, there is life after this. If you've got the strategy, you've got mates, 
It's not COVID. I've just had a tip. <laughs> uh, I really want the young vets who are coming back, even if you're not feeling anything, to stay in touch with your mates, boy or girl, you know, because the girls have done a lot more heavy lifting than they have in previous wars. There's no reason why they wouldn't feel the same as the blokes anyway. So, yeah. Basically, you're stronger together with that shared experience and to talk and to communicate. Yeah, even if the coffee morning once once a week or something. Well, we do it all the time. That's great advice. I'm going to play a song now. Do you have a favourite song that you love performing? I love It's Not Easy. It's just a beautifully written song. The songwriters, Barry Mann, Cynthia Wilde, wrote You've Lost That Love and Feeling. We've Got to Get Out of This Place, which is not my favourite song of the world. Soul and Inspiration, once again, for the Righteous Brothers, and a whole plethora of wonderful songs. They were one of the songwriting duos to come out of the Brill Building in New York in the early 60s. They wrote some marvellous stuff along with Ellie Greenwich and Neil Sedaka and, and Howie Greenway, um, Carol King and Jerry Goff and all of those people wrote in the same place. When I hear this song, I'm singing this song before anybody else got to it. And it's, uh, it is a great buzz to, to keep singing it now after all these years. Let's hear it right now. Back with Normie after this. When you came back, you spent some time on TV. You did some fabulous musicals. I saw you in one of them in Les Mis, Annie and Evita. A little bit of change of career. When I turned 30, I thought all of the biggest things I ever did, I had done by the time I was 20. So what was the last 10 years about? I started to realise that that was sort of formulation. I decided that I want to go to drama school in Sydney, which I did. Out of that came a play called Some Night in Julia Creek that was followed immediately by Sons and Daughters, which is on 7 Plus at the moment. If you go right to the very end of Sons and Daughters, all of the episodes, and then you'll start to see sort of the end of, of my time there because I was there to the very last episode. And then you can go back. You don't have to watch anything else, just my bits. Just you. <laughs> <laughs> just my bits, yeah. <laughs> You know when you binge and, and you're watching series and they finish after, uh, you know, 10 episodes or 14 episodes and you go, oh, I did. Sons and Daughters, their series go for about 40 episodes. <laughs> so it's, it's hilarious. Of course, it ran for many years and started off with people like Ali Fowler and, and Peter Phelps. All the very famous Sons and Daughters crew, you know, Pat McDonald, Aunt Fiona. It was marvellous. All those people. And I did a lot of telethons with them. They were such beautiful people and and. We were sharing dressing rooms and makeup studios with the gang from A Current Affair. Of course, the wonderful Lorraine Desmond was there. We all got on like, it was like a big family. It was wonderful. I worked mostly opposite Abigail, who was the most generous person I think I've ever, ever worked with anywhere. She said to me one day, you're struggling with this lines and everything. And I said, I, I really am. She said, it's not as hard as you're trying to make it out. She gave me an hour lesson and then when I went into rehearsal, she came in, she wasn't due to go into rehearsal, came into rehearsal, stood with me and then she gave me another one hour lesson and I realised I was making it too hard. Had it not been for her, I would have quit a year earlier. Right. 
it became good relationship. We're good, good mates. You know, there's no romance or anything like that, but she was just a truly magnanimous human being. Oh, bless you know. her. Just loved it. We also touched on your theatre career. That's some big guns there, Les Mis and Avisha. Yes. And yeah. Annie. <laughs> Yeah. In its own well, way. Well, it's like that recession that we had to have. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy Warbucks. Uh, Daddy Warbucks, yeah. That was great fun. It was great fun. Les Mis, of course, was, if you like, that's the part that I love most of all. It gave me the chance to do every part of the performance toolkit, and it was just great. Is that your defining role, do you think? <laughs> yeah, I did 600 altogether. Yeah. Came back. I did a reprise in Adelaide for the uh, MS Society 20 years later, I think. It was interesting to visit Valjean and play the young Valjean and not have to get older. (laughs) (laughs) At least I knew the whole journey. Speaking of charities, you're quite involved in the Variety Club, the Variety Club of Australia. And he won a Heart and Soul of Variety Awards. Thank you. That's a great charity. My husband's been on the Variety Bash. You know, they're just a great bunch of people for a great cause. Yeah, sick kids, kids who are disadvantaged or just that need help. And that's what Variety, the children's charity, is all about. Variety, it's been running for a long time now. I actually met the lady, Catherine Sheridan, who was... The baby found at the steps of uh, the theatre in the United States with a note saying, I know how generous, how charitable show business people are. Will you please look after my baby because I'm just unable to look after. So I got to meet her. I met a few people, Sir John Mills, who was the British Chief Barker. He was the most beautiful man. He's just fantastic. And then when you see him as a a pilot in the Second World War or look at him and go, I know that bloke. I met him. He gave me throat lozenges. What does Normie Rowe listen to when you're in your car or have you got a sneaky passion? Well, I've got an eclectic taste. I really go across the board, but I really love Roberta Flack. I really love her. I saw her and got to meet her. I spent some time with her in 1974. At the time, she released her Feel Like Making Love album. That album is a genius piece of recording. She came out with some marvellous musicians, Eric Gale on guitar, Anthony Jackson on bass. Patty Austin was one of the BVs back in Douglas. The drummer was Idris Muhammad. Ralph McDonald was the percussionist. He played all the percussion on Billy Joel's albums, first 10 years or something. They came out and they just, it was a master class in how to play so beautifully. I have to say I've not seen a concert quite that rounded ever since. Uh-huh. I mean, I've seen great concerts, but... There had to be a great love of the craft to have been part of that whole tour. It was just marvellous. We went to a party. The first concert was on a Sunday night and we went to a party afterwards. They were all there. I was one of the only Caucasians in the room. (laughs) And previously I'd been in Vietnam and sitting around a table of Kiwis and the guitar in one side of the table and another guitar on the other side. And the guitar just went from one to the other all the way around. Well, it was the same sort of party except there was a piano. And everybody seemed to be able to play the piano. Somebody playing and then somebody jump on the stool and bump them over a little bit and they keep going. This went on for about two hours and they were singing all this stuff from gospel churches and in the States and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven to hear this wonderful wonderful thing. And the only person who couldn't play the piano was Ralph McDonald. So he grabbed two pieces of paper and he went... 
just kept time with that and uh, just wow you know music is if you got enough love for it you'll make the music you don't need instruments at all that's exactly right right now i think we're going to play a roberta flap song any requests feel like making love done we're back with normie after this Sadly, had to postpone your trip to play with our local guys, the Masters at the Bridgeway, a couple of weeks ago. But we have a new date. Yes, coming back in August of this month. That's if I can get out of Queensland. Well, who knows? I've got some other things to do before I get there. So if I get away with those, I'll be there in Adelaide. It'll be fabulous. I'll finally get across. We're really excited to see you. And if it's not, then we'll just wait. Anything good is worth waiting for and we'll be there. I'll be down the front with bells on. Hopefully we'll see you at this rescheduled date with our local guys, the Masters, and they've got a new drummer for the moment. Brian's having a bit of time off at the minute and the new drummer filling in for him at this point is Gary Burrows, who I mentioned earlier. I'm the fundraising coordinator of Support Act SA. Gary Burrows is our chairman. So he's going to be drumming that night. My drummer is going to be the original drummer from the Playboys, who is 79 now. The keyboard player, he played more shows than any other keyboard player the Playboys ever had, but he wasn't an original. We lost our original keyboard player when he was only 40. had a brain aneurysm. It was very sad. The other guys, too lazy to get off their chairs. (laughs) We just do it with three or four of us. and It's all about having fun and enjoying ourselves and enjoying, hoping the audience locks onto what we're doing so that they're enjoying it as well. There's so many of us looking forward to it. Have you played with the Masters before? The originals I have a number of times. When I say the originals, the ones that had the, the records, you know, I suppose by the time they started to record some of those big records of Masters, you know, turn up your radio and da, 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 it's because I love yes. you. Those guys, and, and the bass player was Glenn Wheatley and Colin Burgess was the drummer. Doug Ford was the lead guitarist and uh, Jimmy Keys on Vox, on vocals. And mm. I think he wrote most of the songs too. But it's going to be interesting to see how those songs are play out too. Look forward to it. Get onto the Googleometer, search for Normie Rowe and the Masters at the Bridgeway, and I'll see you down the front. Lovely right, to I'll, speak I'll, to you. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon, okay? Bye-bye. On that note, we should go out with one of the Masters Apprentices songs that Normie mentioned, Turn Up Your Radio. <laughs> You're with Cheryl Lee, that radio chick. Thank you so much for joining me on the Still Rocking It podcast. Hope to catch you again next time. Get out when you can, support Aussie music, and I'll see you down the front.